before this week's episode, we just want to talk about all the wonderful ways you can support the South Congress podcast via Patreon. At $1 a month, you get access to our post-show content tier. Patrons at this tier get to hear additional audio from all of our South Congress, Goose Down, and Special Edition pods. At $5 a month, you get to be part of our Watch Party tier. Whenever we do a movie watch-along or a Goosebumps watch-along, you'll be given access to the video. And at $10 a month, you'll get to be part of our Merch Giveaway tier, where every month, we'll give any patron at that tier something from one of our online stores, whether it be TeePublic, Redbubble, or Teespring, to show our appreciation for their support. Thank you guys for supporting the show. The South Congress podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the host and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. guys back and some of you for the first time to the goose down on the south congress podcast network my name is cameron i am the host of the south congress podcast co-host of the pro wrestling torch east coast cast and a regular contributor to pro wrestling torch this is the podcast where i review each and every book in the classic rl stein goosebumps series this week our book is welcome to camp nightmare Originally released July of 1993. It's the ninth book in the series. Um, It follows up The Girl Who Cried Monster. And the next book will be The Ghost Next Door. What I've noticed as I've reread these from childhood. A lot of times one book will share themes with the very next book. So I don't know if they were outright written in order. um, But there tends to be. A lot of similarities from book to book. The biggest one here is that idea of the unreliable narrator. The whole book is told from a kid named Billy's perspective. And the story is all in first person. So let's actually just read first the blurb that was on the paperback version of the book. The food isn't great. The counselors are a little strange. And the camp director, Uncle Lau, seems sort of demented. Okay, so Billy can handle all that. But then his fellow campers start to disappear. What's going on? Why won't his parents answer his letters? What's lurking out there after dark? Camp Night Moon is turning into Camp Nightmare. For real. And Billy might be next. So yeah, it does kind of carry that weight of... Like, real danger. Um, 
and, and as we kind of go through this, you're really going to see, like, reading it as an adult, so few things make sense right from the jump, um, especially when you try to fit this in with the rest of the books. Um, you know, I'm a kid who grew up on comic books. And if you've ever read DC Comics, your Superman, your Batman, your Wonder Woman, your Flashes, they're all based out of fictional cities for the most part. Like Batman, Gotham City, depending on who you talk to, you know, that could be New York, it could be Chicago. Um, Superman, you know, based out of Metropolis. Again, depending on who you talk to, it could be somewhere in the Mideast, like that could be, you know, a Kansas City, who knows, right? But... Um, Every place that we've talked about so far in the Goosebumps series, if it was like a fictional town, they typically told you like what state it's in. Like when we had uh, Monster Blood, part of that was the kid's dad looking for a job in Atlanta. Or when we had Stay Out of the Basement, um, they were living in Arizona. So you got kind of a firm idea of where they were. And welcome to Camp Nightmare. And I guess we'll get that far. Let's kind of go straight through the plot. So Billy is going to Camp Nightmoon. When his mom sends him off, um, and we find out that his parents are scientists, when they send him off, they don't say, like, have fun at camp or make new friends at camp. His mom says, do your best, which is a weird introduction to, like, going to a summer camp, right? So there's a bus that has all the kids that are being taken to camp. One kid's from a city called Midlands, another one's from Center City, another one's from Outreach Bay. And so even though we've had like a place called Dark Falls, the whole thing about Dark Falls in Welcome to Dead House was kind of that, let's draw attention to the fact that this is a weird place that is surrounded by familiarity. But these are three cities that you get immediately. That, you know, you've never heard of. Um, as the bus is, you know, going, this is when you can introduce some of the characters. You know, Billy meets um, a kid named Mike. Mike's personality is he's kind of timid, kind of scared of everything. Then he meets his kids, uh, Jay and Colin. Um, Colin's just kind of another kid, but Jay stands out because, like, even for a 12-year-old, like, he's pretty muscular, um, very outgoing, is trying to talk to the other girls on the bus. And the two girls on the bus that you meet are Dawn and Dory. Billy immediately notices that most of the kids on the bus are boys, like 18 boys, and it's four girls. And so he's wondering if it's a co-ed camp or if the camps are split, and he kind of gets that idea. As they're riding, the bus driver just stops, tells the kids to get off, unloads all their stuff, and then, like, takes off. So they start to have a conversation about what might exist out in the woods. And one kid's like, well, there are prairie wolves and prairie cats. Those aren't real things. Like, I'm not saying there aren't wolves on prairies and that there aren't cats on prairies. Like, absolutely. But we don't call them that in any context. Like, when you read your zoo life book, they don't talk about prairie wolves. So, again, like, we're already getting these weird cities that, don't seem to actually exist, but are made to sound really normal. Now we have like animals that aren't 
contextualize as things like prairie wolves and prairie cats. So, again, strange. Um, you know, they're kind of off in the middle of nowhere, at least nowhere that they're familiar with. And they start to hear like these weird sounds. And out of nowhere, like literal wolf like monsters that are standing upright corner the kids. And, you know, they get closer and closer and closer. And there's a gunshot. And they all scatter. And this is where we meet the camp leader, Uncle Lau, um, armed with a rifle that Billy's not familiar with. So we already have like literal monsters that none of these kids recognize. Um, and, you know, a guy scares them off and then they just kind of proceed to camp. So this is, again, really strange. But we'll we'll get to the end of this and we'll kind of try to make sense of it all. Um, and we'll talk about how much I dislike M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. I think that's a natural progression here. Um but yeah, so Uncle Lau shows up, and then they take a second bus to the actual camp. Um, again, for some reason, the first bus can't proceed uh, to where they are. So the first thing that happens when they get to camp, Billy finds out that he's assigned to book number four. Um, the girls, the four girls are sent to another camp. The boys go to one camp. And so Jay, Mike, Colin, and Billy are all assigned to bunk number four. And they meet their counselor, Larry, at this point. Um, you know, Larry talks to him for a while, um, but he leaves the bunk. The boys are trying to decide who's going to be in what bunk. And they find that there are snakes on the bed. For whatever reason, Jay, again, the the athletic kind of playful kid, thinks that they're fake snakes. And so he kind of nudges the timid kid, Mike, toward the snakes. Turns out they're real snakes and Mike doesn't keep his balance. So a snake immediately bites Mike and like he's bleeding from his hand. Um, small bite, like not super worried about it. Um and this is where Billy comes up with the idea, well, we got to get the snakes out of here. So why don't we trap them in the sheet and then we can toss them out in the woods? Everybody goes along with Billy's plan. He's a man with with the with the good ideas at this point. They throw him out there and they're like, OK, we got to get my man Mike to the nurse. Mike goes off looking for the nurse and does not find a nurse. Um, they're told that the camp doesn't have nurses by Larry. So when Larry tells them that there aren't any nurses, he does pay attention to the fact that Billy was able to get rid of these snakes after hearing the story. And he's like, oh, like that was pretty brave of you. And this is what Billy tells him. He says, you know, maybe it's something I inherited from my parents. They're scientists, explorers, kind of. They go off for months at a time exploring the wildest places. So again, vague, but... A lot of foreshadowing is going on here. So, you know, he, he tells him that story. And then as Larry leaves, he's like, yo, you got to be on the lookout for tree bears. What the hell is a tree bear? Again, this, these are not how we refer to animals at all. Like there's bears and and they're, they're just bears. You got, you know, 
you listen to Jim and Dwight, you got a bunch of type of bears, but they're we don't differentiate ground bears and tree bears and you know, we got snow bears and hot bears. Like that's typically all we do, right? So he threatens them with this idea of the tree bears. And once they all get back together to eat, there's a campfire this first night. Uncle Lyle lays down the camp rules. He's like, yo, don't go outside after curfew. Stay away from the forbidden bunk. And he's like, okay, you know, those are the rules. So they go back to their bunks. And now Mike's hand is like really hurting. Right. And they start to hear strange animal sounds outside. And then Jay and one of the other kids, Roger, this is when they come up with the plan. Like, yo, they're telling us don't go to the forbidden bunk. We got to go to the forbidden bunk because, you know, we're little boys. And Larry's like, yo, like I'm telling you, there's a monster out there named Saber. Like you don't want them problems. So. You know, Jay, Colin, Roger, like they really want to go out to the forbidden bunk. And their thing is like every camp says they have that. Like it's not something we should really be nervous about. And this is when he hits him with like Saber, the red eyed monster who eats a camper every night is out there. And you get to thinking like, yo, like this camp is really dangerous. Like, why are we talking about monsters being outside? Why would they even be a threat to anybody? Um, And so, you know, Billy hears that story. You know, takes it with a grain of salt. And he wakes up the next morning and he's describing the sun coming up. And he's like, yeah, the sun rose in the south. And again, like a red flag. I did my research on this. I did my science. At the summer solstice, the sun rises as far to the northeast as it ever does and sets far to the northwest. So in the summer, the sun doesn't rise in the south. Again. The location of this story, the information that we're getting from our narrator continues to get weirder and weirder and weirder. Because, again, this is a story told in first person. So. It continues to get weirder. The next day, somebody says, hey, Billy, you know how to play scratch ball? And this is exactly what they say. You ever play scratch ball before? Jay asked me as we hurried to keep up with Larry. Yeah, sure. I replied. We play a lot in school. Scratch ball is an easy game to learn. The batter throws a ball in the air as high and as far as they can. Then he has to run the bases before someone on the other team catches the ball, tags him with it, or throws him out. So they're playing baseball with no ball, basically. Like, they're playing pop fly baseball with no ball. This is never a sport that, that I've ever heard of in any capacity. So it's game on now. During the game... Colin, one of the four bunk boys, and Larry, their particular counselor, they get into an argument about the game. Colin's rounding the bases. Larry gets the ball. And Billy sees the expression on his face change. He throws the ball right at the back of Colin's head, knocks him flat out. And Billy's like, yo, that was very much on purpose. They take Colin for help, and Mike, who still has a swollen hand, is like, okay, so wherever they take him, um, I'm going to go too. Because even if they don't have nurses, some type of way, they're going to be able to help me if they can help him. So they disappear off. Um, 
And then Billy goes to lunch and he notices every time something weird happens, none of the other kids who weren't directly involved seem to be bothered by it at all. Like they're completely unfazed at all this weird stuff happening around the camp. So there's a food fight and coincidentally, somebody spills grape juice on Billy's shorts. He goes back to the bunk to change and notices that all of Mike's stuff has been cleaned out. So Mike, the timid kid who was bit on the hand by the snake, who couldn't get any medical help, was gone. Billy goes to tell Larry, and he's like, oh, maybe Mike went home. Um, I, I really don't know what's going on. This is when Jay and Roger finally decide to sneak out of the tent. And for whatever reason, Jay's the only one that makes it back. And he's like, yo, I don't know what happened. Something tore Roger to pieces. So you're like, oh, okay. Now we have a kid actually being murdered. And Jay is shook. Like every time he hears a sound, every time he sees something moving in the dark, he thinks that it's Saber. Like he is done because he watched somebody get torn apart. The very next day, like they all go to Larry. Like, Larry, yo, you got to figure this out. This is absolutely crazy. And Larry is still just no help to them. Like, won't do anything to help them out. He kind of brushes it off, says, I don't know what you're talking about. Larry says that, we'll check it out. Me and Uncle Al, you know, just to put you guys at ease. He says they went around the forbidden cabin, didn't find anything. And then the craziest thing, they say there was never a Roger listed as being at the camp. So this kid who shows up, who spent time with the other kids, the one who pretty much encouraged Jay to go out and check out the Forbidden Cabin, they're saying they have no record of a Roger. So now we got disappearing kids, too. This is when Billy takes a step back. He tries to figure out why outside of his immediate group of friends, nobody's weirded out. Nobody seems to be having a problem. All right. So he's doing this kind of off in near where they have a lake, kind of off to the side. This is when two of the girls from the bus, Dawn and Dory, sneak over to him from the girls camp saying they swam over there and saying, yo, people are disappearing on our side, too. And they're like, yo, we don't know what we need to do, but we got to formulate a plan like we got to figure out how to fix this. So Billy's like, "Okay." I'm going to call my parents. I'm going to tell them what's going on. Like, that'll fix all this. He goes to the office to call his parents, finds out that the phone is plastic. So this is when he bumps into Uncle Al. So you're like, oh, no, he's in trouble now. Like, whatever's going on, Uncle Al's got to be in charge of it. And he tells him, he's like, no, there's not a phone. Like, we don't have a phone at camp. Um, We don't want anybody to be reliant on their parents if they get homesick. Kind of makes sense. Really doesn't make sense. But whatever. So the camp schedule says that Jay and Colin are going to go on a three-mile hike, but Billy is not included in the hike. For that day, Billy's actually scheduled to be in a tennis tournament. So he plays in the tournament, destroys one kid, other kid beats him. He goes back all sweaty. Um, He sees as he goes back to his bunk that Jay and Colin still are not back. Um, So one thing about camp. Uh, one of the rules they have, you have to write a letter to your parents every day. Today, Billy was a bit late writing his because he was at the tournament. So he's like, OK, well, I'll just go by the office. I'll drop my letter off there. 
He gets there and sees a big bag of letters and finds out that no letters have been sent since they've got to camp. So again, something not making sense. You tell us you have to write every day, but you're not letting our parents know that we're okay outside of this. When he gets back to the bunk, there are two new kids there named Chris and Tommy. They've never heard of Colin or Jay. And he finds out that the visitor's day, when his parents are supposed to come, has been completely canceled. So, again, they're erasing people who were around him and changing the rules up on him. So he's even less contact with the outside world. He asks Larry, Larry, what happened to the guys who were at my bunk? Why aren't the letters going out? And he's like, yo, I have no idea. But now me, you and the two new guys are going on, on a canoe trip. And again, they, they just seem to fast forward through all the things that make sense. One of the recurring things has been in these books, too. Kids are very much helpless when it comes to adults. Like when adults make a decision that seems outside of I'm going to kill you, you can't escape. The kids kind of tend to go, go along with it. And I think. That really is how kids are in real life. Like, there's very little dissension from things that don't seem absolutely insane. And even then, kids tend to go along with that. So, they're on this canoe trip. For some reason, Larry falls out of the canoe. Billy instinctually, or instinctively, jumps out to save him. And is able to save him from drowning. The thing is, the canoe keeps going, so the two new kids are now lost. Uncle Al finds Larry and Billy and is way more concerned about them losing a canoe than them losing those two boys. And so, yeah, just nobody's motivations seem to make sense, Um, you know, other than they don't want disruptions for whatever the camp's supposed to be doing. They want to maintain that schedule. Somehow, Billy's able to go home or back to the bunk and go to sleep. He's awakened to find out that the entire camp is supposed to go on a special hike now. And he's like, yo, this is enough. I'm going to escape out into the woods. I don't know where I'm going to go from there. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to get to the woods and I'm going to figure it out at that point because I can no longer be in this space. None of this is making sense. Just as he's about to run, because all the kids are lined up to go on this hike, just as he's about to run, he notices that Uncle Al is standing in front of him with a rifle in hand. And so you're like, wow, is he going to shoot this kid? It turns out they gave all the boys guns with instructions that two girls have escaped the other camp and they need to hunt them down. And Billy's like, yo, nah. This, this is the last straw. Like, you're asking me to hunt down my friends with a gun? Like, you want me to kill them? And he's like, no. I just want you to track them down and bring them back. And he's like, yo, this is crazy. So, Uncle Al, like, he's like, Uncle Al, I'm going to shoot you. Like, he's like, yo, I got this gun. He points it right at Uncle Al. Uncle Al lunges at him. Billy shoots at him. So, it's like, oh, Uncle Al's out of there. I had to blast him, right? Nope. Gun goes off. Fake gun. So now you're completely lost. Uncle Al looks at him and laughs and tells him that he's passed. And he's like, yo, passed what? At this moment, Don, Dory, Chris, Colin all show up. And so they're like, yo, you passed. Everybody's. And and, uh, 
Jay is there too. But everybody's like, oh, you passed. Like, you got through all this. And he's like, yo, what are you saying? All of a sudden, his parents show up. So, like, this whole story is insane. Like, like, why would your parents show up saying everything's okay? This is when they tell him. It's not a camp. It's a government testing site. And I'll just read, like, this final passage to you. You know your parents are scientists, Billy. Uncle Lyle continued. Well, they're about to leave on a very important expedition. And this time they wanted to take you with them. How come you didn't tell me? I asked my parents. We couldn't, Mom exclaimed. According to the government rules, Billy, Uncle Lyle continued, children aren't allowed to go on official expeditions unless they pass certain tests. That's what you've been doing here. You've been taking tests. Like tests to see what? I demanded, still dazed. Well, we wanted to see if you could obey orders, Uncle Al explained. You passed when you refused to go to the forbidden bunk. Because again, they brought in an additional kid to try to get him to go to that bunk and he was against it. He held up two fingers. Second, we had to test your bravery. You demonstrated that by rescuing Larry. So again, while the other kids were stuck, he made it up in his mind that he had to save Larry from drowning. Even after Larry might have been complicit in, you know, all these different acts. He was like, yo, I, I still got to save the guy. I can't just let him die. He held up a third finger. Third, we had to see if you knew when not to follow orders. You passed that test by refusing to hunt for Dawn and Dory. So it's like, oh, okay. You know, Billy, young super soldier, young winter soldier. Very much brave, very much somebody you'd want to have in a situation like this. Very mature. Um, and that was really the test. They had to prove that he could be of age in order to be a part of this trip. The story's already been crazy. Here's where it jumps off the ledge. Where are his parents going? Where's this faraway place that they're venturing to as scientists? They're going to Earth. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's the big thing. His parents are actually going to Earth to study humans. So, like, this whole story, when you listen to it, like, it sounds like it's us, but not quite us. Again, these, these weird cities, these weird creatures where the sun's rising. There are all these little things to tell you, like, this probably isn't Earth. And come to find out, it's not. It's aliens who, you know are very much humanoid, if nothing else, because they're even described uh, by their hair, by their size, by their eyes, pretty much described as humans. Um, and even in the TV version of this, like it still plays out like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, what a strange story. I, I really feel like this is R.L. Stein trying to figure out how much he can get away with. Like, how crazy of a story can I tell? But I think it was a pretty cool twist. Like, you know, it wasn't, six cents good and it certainly wasn't the village bad god that is the worst movie i've ever seen again my beef with the village is at one point there's a guy in a regular suit when it's supposed to be a movie where they have this government facility that's in you know colonial times or whatever there's a guy in like a fresh off the rack uh stafford suit from jc penny out of 2006 seriously like, they got a men's warehouse suit, a K&G suit, while everybody else is walking around with buckles on their shoes. That happened. So, you know, um, I think 
one of the cool giveaways was you have one bus to get you there and another bus to pick you up because they don't talk about like those monsters being any type of test for Billy. Um, but that was more like, OK, maybe we keep these around so that people can't come in outside instead of actual, you know, barbed wire fences or whatever. But yeah, just to, um, I think a good story in this series in that it tests your idea of how much you can trust the narrator. And it kind of flips everything on its head that you have to go through all these things just to deal with humans because we're weird and we're unpredictable and you have to kind of be ready for anything when it comes to dealing with us. So, yeah, um, welcome to Camp Nightmare. I think a really fun story. Um, the TV version had some major differences in that anything that was like a monster was actually a person in a suit, which is kind of like in my channel on the village. Um, so they didn't have like actual weird alien monsters running around, but the ending is very much the same. Everybody was actors and it was all kind of to see if he'd be able to go on this trip with his parents. So it stayed true to form there. Um, so yeah, if this is your first time listening, you can find the first eight books along with this one as part of our SoundCloud playlist. Um, you can listen to all those in order, kind of jump around. And then next week, we're going to be doing book 10, The Ghost Next Door. I want to thank you for joining me on this week's edition of The Goose Down, a South Congress podcast covering R.L. Stein's classic Goosebump series, my name is Cameron. I appreciate your time. South Congress and the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast cast have two online stores to buy shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, notebooks, and more. Visit redbubble.com and tpublic.com and search Seahawk to see all of the merchandise. We run specials every few weeks, so join the South Congress and East Coast cast Facebook fan pages for all the details on our online specials and promotions. Yeah.